All right, so now when you think of the term old school, maybe some of you guys are like, what in the world is this series about? Is this more than just about theme nights or about, you know, funky songs or giving away some crazy things? What, what ultimately is the goal for this series? Maybe when you think of old school, there's, there's certain things that come into your mind, all right? I think sometimes we think, when we think something is, is considered old school, we think things that are um, older, right? We think of things that are from an earlier era, things that, um, that are, you know, from a long time ago or whatever. When we consider something old school, we think it's uh, older things. And when we think older things, sometimes we think that they're irrelevant. When we think old school or we think old-fashioned, maybe we think of, um, if you're going to think of things that are old-fashioned or irrelevant, maybe we think of uh, our parents, all right? No offense, mom and dad's in the room. Maybe you think of, when you think of something that's old-fashioned or maybe even something that's irrelevant, uh, maybe you think of even mom and dad's rules, all right? Some of the things that they hand down to you that you're like, man, mom, this isn't the 70s anymore. This isn't, you know, when you were growing up, that might have worked, but that's old-fashioned. That doesn't work anymore. Maybe you think certain things in our, in our community that might be outdated. Maybe you think certain things in our country. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different things that maybe we think about when we, when we think something is old-fashioned or irrelevant. I wonder... How many of us are guilty of those same misconceptions or thoughts when it comes to aspects of our faith? When it comes to our faith, maybe there are certain things that we think are outdated. Maybe we think, oh, you know, that was important back in the 50s, or that was important back in Jesus' day, or maybe that was important once, but that doesn't have relevance to my life today. Or that's not really important to me, or that's, that doesn't matter right now. Maybe there are certain aspects of our faith that we think are old-fashioned or outdated. And when we think that they're old-fashioned or outdated, we feel like there's no relevance to us today, right now. You guys know what the actual definition of old school, if something is, is defined as old school, what it actually means is something from an earlier era that is treated with high regard or respect. So, for example, if you use the term, man, that is, that is so old school, most of the time nowadays we're, we're, we're using that to define something that might be, we might think is actually cool, all right? Or we, we, we look at that and we think, man, there's, there's a lot of respect that I give towards that, or I hold that in high regard. It's not so much something that's irrelevant or outdated, but rather it's something that we, we feel like is valuable to us, even though it might be from an earlier time. Now, as it pertains to our faith and where we're going to this series is, I think that there are sometimes aspects of our faith, things that maybe we have thought were irrelevant, that in all reality, if we really understand the meaning and the value of it to our lives, then we'll understand it and we'll start holding that with a level of high regard and respect. That rather than feeling like, oh, that's outdated, that doesn't matter to my life today, we'll start looking at looking at those things and, and feel like even though it might have been set up a long time ago or even though I may not fully understand what that means or once thought that that was not a big deal to me, now I'm beginning to understand that this has incredible value and worth to my life today. This matters to me today and to who God's called me to be. So over the course of the series, that's what we're gonna look is at these different aspects of our faith. So tonight, 
we're going to look at something that I believe for, for many of us, and I've been very guilty of this in my own life, something that, that we have oftentimes completely either disregarded, misunderstood, or devalued in our walk with Christ. All right, we're going to look specifically at the issue or the aspect of prayer. Now, when you think of prayer, maybe we have walked in tonight. I would bet that there's all kinds of ideas, all kinds of different opinions, maybe even um, experiences as it comes to the issue of prayer. For some of us in the room, I, there's probably a lot of us that feel like, man, I, I think prayer is very valuable to me. Maybe like Psalm 3 in that video you watched a few minutes ago that, that David's saying, God, I believe that you're going to show up. God, I believe that you are here for me. God, I believe that you're going to rescue me. And we, we hold such um, extreme importance and put great value in prayer because we believe that it works or we've experienced that it works. And so we, we feel like that is very valuable to our life on a daily basis. Maybe there's some of us on the opposite end of the spectrum who feel like, man, prayer is, is worthless or my experience has been that it doesn't work or I, don't really, I haven't really seen God show up when I've, when I've, when I've lifted up prayers to him or I've, I've prayed certain things or asked him to show up in my life. I haven't seen him do anything. I haven't seen that prayer works. Maybe in some cases we're even like Psalm 3 says at the beginning of those people that kind of scoff and we say, man, prayer is worthless. God's not even gonna show up even if you offer a prayer up to him. So there's probably all kinds of different opinions and ideas. Maybe there's some of us who we just, we're scared of prayer. Maybe we don't really understand how to pray. Maybe we're afraid of screwing the whole thing up. Maybe it intimidates us. Maybe we don't really know how to do it. And so, therefore, we don't participate, and we don't really know if it works or not because we don't really understand how we're supposed to go about doing it. Now, just by quick show of hands, how many of you would say that I've, I've described some feeling or emotion that you felt or opinion about prayer in the past? How many of you guys would say, yeah, that's me? Like, I felt those things about prayer. Either I believe in it, or I think it's a joke, or, man, I, I just don't, I'm, I'm intimidated by it, or I don't really know how to do it. Here's what I want to do as, as we start tonight. I want you guys to take just 30 seconds, and in your notes at the beginning, there's a, a blank there. It says, I believe prayer is blank. And here's what I want you guys to take 30 seconds to do. Not talk about, your, you know, next to your neighbor and say, hey, what do you think? But you, right now, honest opinion about what you believe about prayer. All right? I'm not looking for churchy answers. We're not looking for, well, I think I should write this down, so therefore I'm going to write this down. What I want you to be as honest as possible right now, what you believe in your heart about prayer tonight. So take 30 seconds and just write that down real quick, and then we'll, we'll continue. Some of you guys don't know what to do right now. It's awkward and it's quiet and there's no music playing. And what should I be doing? I'm nervous. Take about 10 more seconds.
Finish whatever thought, whatever it is that you're writing down. Or if you don't have a pen, maybe I assume that's the reason why some of you aren't writing down. Maybe you're just thinking about what is, it, what is that opinion right now that you have about prayer? All right, now whatever it is that you've written down or whatever thought it is that you've, that you've got in your mind right now as it pertains to prayer. And again, I, I believe that if we were honest tonight, I believe there's a lot of different opinions of that. And, and that's okay. I don't want us to shy away from if we feel, and I feel guilty about writing this down. I want us to be honest. In order for us to, to grow together, in order for us to, to challenge each other, in order for us to, to really understand more about what God wants to say to us, we've got to be honest with ourselves, with each other, with God. Now, regardless of what you put down right now, here's what my desire and even my prayer would be for us to, to have this kind of view and understanding about prayer. What if I told you that there is a resource available to you that gives you immediate access to God himself? What if I told you that it was a force so strong that it moves the heavens It causes the darkness to tremble in fear, and it brings power to earth. What if I told you that it was a a force so powerful that the enemy, who believes in prayer more than anyone else, will stop at nothing to stop you from doing it? That it brings comfort to the hurting, it brings rest for the weary, and it brings freedom to the captive. It is limited in its power when we use it only as a means to get what we want from God. But it is unlimited in its power when we use it as a means to bring us close to the heart of God. Now, as I said, my my prayer, my desire would be that that would, regardless of maybe what you believe or what your opinion is right now, That God would bring all of us to a place where as I read those things, we say, man, I I believe wholeheartedly in that. Man, or I've experienced that, or I've seen that 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 is to be true in my own life or in my own, in in somebody else's life. That that be, that become our view of prayer. There was a a survey that was done back in 2013, and it was the the U.S. government did it, the Bureau for Labor Statistics, which is probably a, a very boring Bureau, but they, they do surveys and they released a survey and it was basically a survey that, that revealed how the average American spends their time, all right? And there were some things on it that, that I thought were very interesting and relevant, especially to what we're talking about tonight. So the average American, get this, spends 10 hours a day sleeping, all right? Now some of you guys, maybe you're, you're teenagers and you think, man, I get way more than that or I get less than that. Maybe on a Saturday morning, you know, you sleep for like 15 hours or something crazy. But the average American, 10 hours, all right, sleeping. Watching TV, the average American spends 2 hours and 46 minutes a day watching TV. All right, video games, all of that stuff, all right? Might pale in comparison to how much you spend. Now listen, personal grooming, all right? 42 minutes a day grooming yourself. All right, which, I mean, maybe it just sounds like a lot of time. Maybe some of you spend a whole lot of time in that. Maybe some of you should. I don't know. But I'm just kidding. 42 minutes a day, all right, grooming yourselves. Exercise, 19 minutes a day. All right, which I guess, 
I don't know what, what, what people consider exercise in 19 minutes or what you can do, but run up a flight of stairs, whatever. All right, now here's, listen, come back in. Prayer. All right, they list a bunch of other things, a lot of different things that, that, that break up an average American's time spent each day. Then it, it gets to prayer. And it says, according to this survey, that the average American spends eight minutes a day in prayer. Now, maybe for some of you that seems like a lot. Maybe for some of you it, it, it sounds like not very much time at all. But eight minutes a day is what the average American says that they spend praying each day. Now, here's why that matters to us and what we're talking about tonight. The amount of time that we spend in prayer reflects how much we believe in prayer. I know you guys wrote down what your opinion or what you believe about prayer, but in all reality, we may have written certain things down about us or about what we believe about it. But the amount of time that we spend on a daily basis actually doing it really reveals how much we believe in it. I mean, we can say to ourselves or we can write down that, man, I really believe in prayer. But the test comes in the time that we spend actually doing it. So as it pertains to that, how much time, how much do we believe in prayer? Now, there's a different test that God gives all of us to determine how much we believe in prayer. All right, God actually in Jeremiah 29, 13 says something very significant and something that really, in all honesty, challenges all of us. Whether we believe in prayer or not, God puts us to the test. And here's what he says. He says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, I love the message version. You guys have that in your notes too. Here's what it says. God says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. And God challenges us right there in that verse of saying, look, I'm, I'm promising you that if you will seek me, if you will spend time with me, if you will pray, I will respond. I will show up. If you will seek me, in fact, as it says in that verse, if you will get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, then I will make sure that you're not disappointed. Now, here's the question I want to ask. If we really believed that verse to be true, how much time would we spend praying on a daily basis? I mean, if we really believed that God, the Almighty, was going to show up when we came to him with whatever it was that we came to him with, would we really only spend eight minutes a day talking to him? If we 100% believed that that verse was true. Now, I look at, at that verse, and it's, for me, and I'm, I'm blessed to say this, is that this isn't just words on a screen that I'm like, oh, man, that sounds like too good to be true, or man, that would be really nice. I've seen this happen over and over and over again in my own life. And I've read this verse, and I've seen God say, look, test me in this. I mean, I'm challenging you right now. If you will seek me, you will find me. 
I'm not out there hiding somewhere. I'm not distant. I'm not, this isn't some cosmic game of hide and go seek. If you will come to me, I will reveal myself to you. I will respond. I will show up. You will not be disappointed. And I've watched that to be true in my own life where God shows up, maybe in, in some of, sometimes those general prayers that I pray, sometimes in just those specific, God, I need you to show up right here, right now. God, I need specifically this, or God, this is what I'm coming to you with. Or those moments where God has revealed himself to me when I've come to him with a sense of desperation. See, how this this impacts all of us, no matter what our opinion is right now in this moment, is that God himself promises us that our prayer matters. God promises us that he will respond. We can take God at his word because God never ignores the prayers of his children. Now, prayer itself sounds very old school, all right? Now, when you think of prayer, what's, what's the prayer that sounds more, if we want to use the term old school, what sounds, what's that prayer that sounds more old school than any other prayer? There we go. Probably the prayer of all prayers that just sounds like old-fashioned or old-school or whatever is the Lord's Prayer, all right? How many of you guys right now could quote the Lord's Prayer if you had to stand up? All right, maybe some of you guys don't have a clue what that is, and that's okay too. Maybe you have, here's, here's I think sometimes our experience with the Lord's Prayer. We hear the Lord's Prayer, and maybe we've seen it on, you know, Grandma's old antique pillowcase or something at her house, and it smells like old people. And, it's, and it looks something like this, right? It's written all like in King James Version, these and thous, and it's got some weird, you know, old picture of Jesus that, you know, that has angel wings. And, um, and even grandma's down in the corner hiding like a creeper. Do you see that in there? I, how weird is that? I promise I didn't put that in there. All right, maybe... Maybe that's kind of what we picture sometimes when we think of the Lord's Prayer. Or we, we went to an, an older church growing up or something, and it was like on a plaque in the, in the lobby or something. And, you know, that's, that's what we saw, and it was written like this. When I was in high school, our, our basketball team would gather around the coach every, um, in the locker room before every game. And we would, as a team, would quote the Lord's Prayer. And, um, and it was amazing to me because we would all say it, and, and all of us eventually, especially by the end of the year, all could quote it. But there were so many of us that had no clue what in the world we were saying. I mean, it was something that we just, we learn, somebody teaches us, and it's something that we memorize or we say or we see it in kind of this, this setting or this picture of it, but it has no relevance to our lives. It has no value to, value to us. We don't really understand what it means. And it's easy for us to dismiss it as old-fashioned. And if we do, we miss something incredible. Because the truth is, the Lord's Prayer, what God himself is doing is he is teaching us how to pray. I mean, what Jesus is saying is, look, God who gave us prayer as an opportunity to come to him and to be close to God's heart is, is teaching us how to go about doing it. And he's, he's saying, look, if you want to pray, pray like this, and God will respond. This is how God hears your prayer. And so what I want to do is, as we close tonight is, 
is go through the Lord's Prayer and just be able to describe it. Because here's the thing. I think there's a misconception again. We can quote it or we've heard it said, and it's something that we memorize, but we have no idea what it actually means. And so it becomes a tradition or something that we say at a funeral or something before a football game or something, you know, at some random times, but it, it means nothing to us. And what Jesus is giving us here in Matthew chapter 6 is not just something to quote and something to memorize that means nothing to our lives, just some tradition. What Jesus is actually doing is teaching us the way and the heart attitude that we should come before God with. So if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to take just a couple minutes and and walk through this. So in verse 9, here's what he, he starts off with. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So Jesus starts off and he says, our Father in heaven, or hallowed be your name, may your name be kept holy. What Jesus is saying is when you come to God, start with a humble attitude. When you come to God, start by saying, God, I'm coming to you and I'm, I'm lifting up your name. God, you are Father, you are God, you are creator. You are worthy and I am not. God, I am coming to you, worshiping you, making much of you, addressing you as you deserve to be addressed. God, I'm coming to you and I'm saying that you are worthy, you are holy, you are God. Now here's why this matters so much. We need to be reminded on a daily basis that God is God and we are not. When we come to God at the, at the very outset, whenever prayers that we offer up to God, whenever we start praying and we immediately start rolling off all of the requests and all of the needs that we have and all the things that we want, or we come to God with this attitude of starting to make demands of him, then what we're doing is we're taking God in, in the place that he belongs and we're putting him in our place and we're putting us in his And what Jesus is saying is when you come to me, start with that attitude of putting God in his place and putting you in yours. Humble yourself before God. Say, God, you are are holy. God, I'm coming to you and thanking you for who you are. And as long as we come to God with that attitude of, all right, God, here's the things that I want or here's all these demands I have of you or God, if you're really God, then you'll do this and you'll do that. As long as those are the the prayers that we offer up, we won't see God answer the prayers in our life. What Jesus is saying is that it starts with a humble attitude. It starts with humbling yourself and putting yourself in the proper place and God in his. Then in verse 10 he says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. So not only do we begin to see that God alone is holy, but we also start believing that God can accomplish the impossible. And what we do is we say, God, in your kingdom, in in heaven, as everything is happening in accordance to your will, that you are God, you are holy, and everything is centered around you, God, would you bring that same thing down here? God, would everything be centered around you? God, may your kingdom come. And we have, I love the analogy of that that kingdom. 
and understand that there is a king. Again, that humble attitude. We are, we are submitting ourselves before the king of kings. And we are saying, God, this is, this is about you. God, your kingdom. May your kingdom come down to earth and may your will be done. And we are submitting ourselves to God's will. We're not saying, God, this is what I want and you should do this. But God, I am submitting myself to your will. God, whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you're looking for, God, I'm asking your will to happen, your will to take place. God, would you do what you want? Then in verse 11, he says, give us today the food that we need. So once that attitude, once that respect, once that mindset is, God, you are God and I am not, then, then Jesus says, look, bring your needs to God. God wants to, to hear your request. God wants to hear the things that are going on in your life. God wants to hear the ways that you're looking for him to respond in your life. Now he says, he says, give us today the food that we need. And what, what it means by the food that we need is, is God is saying, look, when you bring your needs, the food represents the necessities of life. It's not, a, it's not a prosperity thing. It's not a, hey, God, I want all of these things in abundance, and you should just give me everything that I'm asking for. But that we come and we say, God, those necessities, those things that I need, God, you know my heart, you know my situation. God, you know what's going on in my family. God, you know what's going on in my own heart. God, you know how depressed I am right now. God, you know how much I'm struggling. God, you know how big, how, how deep the pain is. God, you know whatever it is that's going on in my life. And God, I'm coming to you out of necessity. God, you are the one that is the only one that can bring victory in this area. God, I'm looking to you to meet this need that I have in my life. And when we come with a humble attitude and we also believe that God's kingdom is coming down, then all of a sudden we, we start believing that God could do not just the bare minimum, but we start believing that God could do anything that we may ask of him. God, no matter how much it may seem like my parents are gonna get divorced, no matter how screwed up that relationship is, no matter how, how ridiculous my house is right now, God, I'm believing and I'm asking for you to do the impossible. God, whatever it is, those needs, God, I'm bringing them to you. God wants us to come to him with those things, and he even promises to answer them when we come to him in faith. Then in verse 12, he says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Repentance for us ought to be a part of every prayer that we pray before God. We understand, hopefully, how desperately in need of God we are. God, I will mess this thing up. God, I will fall short. God, I, you know the areas that I've sinned. God, you know the things that have kept me from you. God, I'm confessing those things to you. We don't make light of those areas of weakness, but we bring them to him and we confess those, those sins and those things that we've, that we've hurt him with. And we trust that God's forgiveness is, is given to us. Now he says something very interesting. He says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. What Jesus is saying here is that the level of forgiveness that we offer other people is the level of forgiveness that we will receive from him. 
Now stop for just a minute with wherever you're at right now. Maybe you're here tonight and there is anger in your heart. Maybe there is bitterness. Maybe you've held on to unforgiveness towards another person. Maybe you look at them and you go, man, they have hurt me. They have, they have hurt me deep. And there is nothing that they could say or do. I will never forgive them. Maybe there are legitimate ways in which we've been hurt by another person. But we harbor that. We hold on to unforgiveness. We hold on to that. And we refuse to offer forgiveness. And Jesus says, if you refuse to forgive others and you hold grudges towards other people, then that same level of forgiveness will be given to you by me. If we expect and desire to receive forgiveness from God, then we've got to be willing to extend that to other people as well. And maybe for some of us in the room, the reason why we haven't heard God answer our prayer is not because God doesn't care about us or any of that kind of stuff, but maybe because there's unforgiveness in our own heart. D.L. Moody says this. He says, I firmly believe a great many prayers are not answered because we are not willing to forgive someone. And then in verse 13, he finishes and he says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And what Jesus is saying is, what, what are those struggles? What are those areas of weakness in your life? And what we're doing is we're saying, God, in order for me to overcome that, in order for me to get past that, in order for me to receive victory in that area, God, I need you to show up. I need you to come to my rescue. And just as we've identified God as our king, we also need to identify who our enemy is. And we also need to be able to say, God, in order for me to overcome this, you've got to deliver me from the evil one. You've got to deliver me out of his hands, out of his grasp. And we look to him to rescue us from temptation, to rescue us from what the enemy desires to do in our lives. Here's the main point for us tonight. God's power in our presence in our lives is not limited by his desire to give it, but by our desire to seek it. Man, as I said at the beginning, my desire, my prayer is that we would understand that heaven moves when we offer up our prayers to God. That God's power and presence is made available to us. That it's not limited because God doesn't desire to give it to us, but rather it's limited because so often we refuse to seek it out. And what Jesus does for us is he created prayer for us. God wants us to come to him. He promises that he will answer us when we seek him. And he shows us how to pray. So as we close tonight, why is it, if, if all of that is true, why is it that so many of us view prayer as irrelevant? Why is it that we're fearful? Why is it that we're afraid of messing this thing up? When all Jesus wants us to do, all God is asking of us is just come to me. I promise you, if you will seek me, you will find me. I promise you that if you will seek me in desperation, I will make sure that you do not go away disappointed. I desire for you to bring your request to me. I desire for you to bring your needs to me. I desire for you to come and to talk to me. 
and you to be honest and open with whatever it is that's going on in your life because I desire to meet you exactly where you are and not to leave you that way, but to bring victory, to bring freedom from the enemy, to bring forgiveness to your heart, and ultimately for you to experience the power and presence every single day that's made available to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. God, thank you for the students that are here tonight. God, I pray, regardless of where we, where we are right now, maybe as we walked in tonight, those opinions, maybe those experiences, maybe, maybe we came to you and we struggle because we felt like we came to you and you didn't, you didn't respond the way that we, that we wanted. God, I believe that there's probably legitimate concerns and legitimate opinions about worship or or about prayer, and it's looked at as a negative thing. God, I pray that we would start to see prayer as you see it, that we would start to understand the power and presence that is made available, the access to you as the creator of the universe whenever we want it. We don't have to go to some priest. We don't have to go through a bunch of rituals. God, we can simply talk to you. And you promise that when we do it, you will respond to us. So God, may we come to you with a humble attitude. May we lift up our prayers and our concerns, God. May we make much of you and experience the power of prayer in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.